Welcome to the Brilliant Light Wellness Podcast, where host Joanne Nuaduck and her expert guests will shed light on issues that impact your health, love, and happiness. Welcome to Brilliant Light Wellness, where we shed light on health, love, and happiness. Today, I have the most incredible guest. She is a powerhouse of a woman that I saw speak just a couple months ago and am thrilled that she has agreed to come on our show because she has a message that is absolutely vital to the world and has a personal connection and impact to her own journey. Onyina Chukunara was raised in Nigeria and is now a very prominent and incredible lawyer who is an advocate for the prevention of child sexual abuse and her resume is and bio is so impressive I'm not going to do it justice reading it out so I'm going to bring her on the air right now and we will we will hear in her words the journey that she's been on so welcome welcome to our show today thank you so much Ryan, for having me I am so pleased to be on your platform. Thank you. Well, it's it's an honor. It really is. And I'd like to start off and and have our listeners have a bit of an understanding of what you're doing, where where you grew up, not so much getting into the whole backstory, but more your education and and what you're doing now. Well, like you rightly said, I I have a first degree in law and um practiced law and um, have a master's degree in human resource management from Liverpool Jamal University in the United Kingdom. Uh, I've been an advocate actually um, on the prevention of child sexual abuse. I'm just being the voice that the uh, voiceless children who are being molested and raped or um, per second all over the world. I am just trying to be their voice. So um, I have a training in forensic sciences and, and um, criminology. I, like, oh my God, I have tons of education. I know, I'm sitting here. I think oh the best is... I have some, I have a contract thing from law, that thing that I did from Harvard, and the list keeps going on and on and on and on, and it's just a very long list. Um, uh, recently, um, in order to uh, be able to practice here in Canada, I've just finished my um, exams and um, uh, my law school exams here, and I'm trying to get into, um, to do my license, and so... Um, Congratulations on that. That's no no small feat. And and that's what I wanted to get across. Now I will, your bio and resume will be posted in in the comments. Um, And, but I just want people to understand that your, your drive, your education, and where you're taking your education and the work you're doing with it really stems from your own personal journey mm-hmm. and you've written a book on that but also while you're here you you're also you're you're married correct with um, and you have I'm children ma- i'm married to an orthopedic surgeon my husband is, is an orthopedic surgeon and, yes and we're blessed by um with two wonderful children beautiful yeah. beautiful yeah. so you're living a very 
um, shall we say, a very productive um, life? I, I, where I, I live in a very productive and fulfilling, fulfilled life, actually. Exactly. And, and the reason I want to highlight that is because that is not the circumstances where you first came from. No and you, way. you have traveled a journey that is incredible. It's heart-wrenching. It's shocking. And it's inspiring. Absolutely. And I would love you. Now you've written a book and I understand you have a second one coming out soon. Do you want to share a little bit about the, um, the book and your journey as to how, how you got to where you are now and why you're so passionate about this cause? Absolutely. Thank you so much. John. Like I said, um, uh, I would, I want to start by telling you because I don't want to sound like, or make it like it was an easy journey. The yeah. journey was not easy but um uh, one thing i i I say is because maybe my own journey at some point you know um became kind of easier for me because i got to a point where i was tired of myself and i was tired of being where i was and and um I just decided to like, you know what? I think I have to get something. Like you rightly said, I have a book and which was co-authored by um, some 17 other powerhouse women who that, and the book became a bestseller last year and it's still bestseller is on Amazon. Uh, it's titled Tear the Veil. So you can, you can get it on Amazon. And then the second one is on the way. But my journey began... Sorry, sorry, Joan. No, 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 go ahead. I was saying, can you say the title of that book again? Tear the Veil. We're tired of covering our faces with the veil that people can't see. Yes. And so we decided to tear the veil Mm -hmm. and tell our stories. Yes. Yes. And and the book and the women, like we've been everywhere. Last year we were, you know, uh, we were at the White House, we were United Nations, we were like everywhere, you know. So so um, my journey, for as far as I can remember, you know, probably started from when I was five, six, don't even know to be precise, but I just knew because growing up at that age between four and and six or seven, you know, you barely even wore clothes. Like you just probably just run around with your underwear and all of those things. And, you know, so, and I remember, you know, um, this particular cousin, which was the one that ended up raping me as, you know, as a teenager, would carry me on his laps and, you know, would be, he will have his thing in between my legs and all of that. And so, so that's as far as I can remember as a child until, of course, I think about eight or so, because I think I was about in grade three, in your own grade three here. Back home, it was primary three. And, you know, when the first time he actually, you know, that I was aware of the molestation, because there's something about something happening to you and something about being really aware that something is going on in your world. And so he went on and um, not just him, of course, he ended up being a lot of them, cousins, because the house was always full with extended family members and everything. And of course, he went on until somewhere about 14 or so. 
you know, when he raped me, got me pregnant, being somebody in the medical profession, took away his baby himself. And so that was how my journey started, actually. That was the beginning of my journey, you know. But I think I was just created by Almighty God to just be a naturally jovial person and, you know, always wanting to help and all of that. So kind of, and, and there's something about when something happens to us, when we face that kind of trauma, we tend to want to wish it away or to want to sweep it under the carpet or just to, because we just want to move on and pretend that nothing. I don't know whether pretend is the right word here really, but I think, you know, it, it gets into our subconsciousness somewhere. Absolutely. It's, it's, well, quite often what happens when something is so traumatic like that, mm-hmm. it is beyond our capacity at that age, especially to yeah. know how to handle it. And unless we have caring, supportive adults and the mm-hmm. proper systems mm-hmm. to release that, mm-hmm. it gets stuffed down. But that mm-hmm. kind of trauma has an energy and if it's not processed mm-hmm. it gets shoved inside of us and it settles in our being and i think another thing is um being you you're growing up i mean just imagine yourself growing up a child and you have all these people that you think they all love you all around you right cousins aunties uncles you know you have this communal living and people are supposed supposedly supposed to love you and so you don't even get it you probably in your mind as a child is part of the love because that's what they say to you right every point in time they remind you how special you are you're loved you know and all of that and you know uh, uh especially because i've seen that everywhere like I travel a lot. I've lived everywhere, you know, all over the world. So, and I want to say something here because that's why I I brought that up. People tend to believe that child sexual abuse is peculiar to a particular group of people or to a particular culture. No, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I think that's important to say that it is everywhere and it crosses every, it crosses every social economic background from very poor to very rich. Absolutely. I, I didn't grow up a poor kid at all. No. You know, my 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 parents were were we were okay. Like we had we had everything we, we wanted to have, you know, and all that, you know. So my father was actually the one that was, you know, paying school fees for all these other people, sending cousins and uncles abroad to go to school. So he was well off, he was a well off politician and all that. So anyway, so that's that's Sorry, love saying. No, I was going to say, just so that we can follow with this story, this was a cousin that this was happening with. Did you tell anyone and were not believed or were you feeling so much shame you wanted to pretend it wasn't happening and never spoke up? That's a good question. And I'm very glad that you asked that question. Now, one thing that happens, um, because people ask me that all the time. Yes. And then except you have been there, you may not really understand why an abused kid does not talk. Yes. Now, the first thing you ask yourself is what is, because you don't even, in the first place, you don't even understand what's going on in your world. Right. You have not too young. You are too young. You, this is, this is a trusted person. Yeah. This is someone that is supposed to be looking out for you. And then 
if you, because I say that to parents, especially to mothers, because why I say mothers is you're supposed to be connected to your child that you carried in your womb. There's supposed to be some instinct, motherly instinct. But when you're not connected and you're so busy, that you don't even sit down to talk with your child. You have no clue. Or you have made your beauty wall around yourself that your child is too scared to come to you. Yeah. And there's no way because the child doesn't want to talk to a stranger. No. If you have made yourself a stranger in the life of your child, if you have become super busy, like such a super busy mom, that your child cannot feel you, and you can't feel your child, they cannot confide in you. I don't yeah. want to confide in a stranger. We teach our children stranger danger, but we for always forget to teach them that there are also strangers within the four walls of the home. Yes. You know, and so, yes. so, so, and that is one reason. That is number one reason. Of course, fear. Yeah. Not, even, not even shame, because you don't even understand the meaning of shame at that time. You That's have no point. Clue. You don't even know what's going on in your world. You don't know. You are caught up in between. Is this right? Is this wrong? You don't know. Yeah. Well, I've also heard from other um, sexual abuse as a child. Hers was, it was a cousin as well. And, and she was in fear because they threatened. They threatened to like kill her pet and and her parents and she was she lived in fear every single day yeah so is it that they threaten you or they go the extra mile to love you uh, especially when they know like in my own case was something like that like when they know that your parents are not always around and if you talk they won't believe you. And him as well, being the favorite, he was my father's favorite. Like they were so close. He was smart. He was this. He was, he was the apple of the eye of everybody, extended and nuclear. Whatever he said was final. He was like a god. Yes. So he knew that, you know, if, even if anybody said anything, nobody was going to believe him. Right. And it wasn't just him, because at a point as well, we had other cousins that were living with us. Like, it wasn't him. I mean, at a point, Joan, I lost count. Oh. It was that bad. It's horrible. Like, you know, and so you, like, I got to that point where I was like, you know, so anyone that was like, you know what, whatever, just go ahead and do it and just live my life alone. And so that pushed me to, like, of course, you don't like you, I don't I, you don't believe in yourself. You I felt like oh trash, that's fine. Everybody comes around and dumps their thing, that's fine. And so is this all I was worth? And then started trickling down until of course it got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I can't take this no more. And so yeah. you got to the brink. Yeah. You got to bring. So what changed? At one point, you said that you were pregnant at 14. Yeah. And, and that was aborted, if I understand? He removed his baby. He aborted it. He removed his baby. He did it. So, so you had a forced abortion. He's a medical doctor, to be precise. So he removed his baby. All right. Yeah. And how was it at that point or was it after? At what point did you make a shift? At what point did you dig deep into, and, and what was it that had you make that change? Like I said earlier, why all these things were going on, actually, you know, well, it was getting to the point where, because 
I couldn't speak out. All I wanted to do was to be free from this entanglement. And however I was going to be free, I would appreciate it. And so I went to university. When it was time for me to go to university, I went very far away from home. And that helped me. So whenever we were on holiday, I was so glad to stay back in school. I would call my dad and say, um, we have exams or something, something. And then something else happened as well. When I remember also at that point, even much younger, when I was growing up, I was always sick. Whether it was real or it was fake, but I was enjoying being on admission in the hospital because I didn't want to go home. It was a place where you were safe. It was safe. The hospital was my safe haven. Wow. So I would be sick. And then we had this wonderful family physician. His clinic was like beautiful. It was the most beautiful in the town. And there, as I then, it was the most expensive. It was so beautiful. So I, I, in fact, I literally had a room. Right. My right. name, you know, like I was in out of his clinic. And so, you know, so a lot happened. But, on, you know, when I got to university and all of that, I found out that, I was looking for love in all the wrong places because I knew, I didn't even know then what was going on in my life, but I knew that something was not right. Right. I, of course, I wouldn't trust anybody around me. I wouldn't, I was just like, okay, you're my boyfriend today, tomorrow I dump you and I move on. You're my friend today. Because at a point as well, I, I, I lived in the boarding school in my high school, girls' secondary school, and Anna was molested by girls because I was running to them for comfort, for shelter, you know, you know, inner shelter, not physical shelter and all of that. But, and then they took advantage of that as well. So it was just like that. And but I still, being myself, I, I still wanted to just make it. I wanted to just be somebody. I just wanted to move on with my life. Yeah. I didn't, so I was in denial. I think that's the word. Denial. So when these things happen, you put them back somewhere and you just, I was in denial. I didn't even want to think about it. I just moved on. And, but one thing I knew for sure was I was scared of being a mother. Yeah. I was terrified. I was, uh, of course. And now you then became a lawyer while you were uh, still in your home country of Nigeria, correct? Yes, yes I went yes. to law school. And you yeah. practiced there. Now, yeah. did you, so in, in essence, you kind of put all of this trauma from your childhood buried it deep inside and became very successful in your work, Mm -hmm. sunk your heart and soul. But at Mm -hmm. some point in time, was it once you came to Canada that you revisited the trauma where you started realizing that it was, you needed to heal more from it or was it while you were still overseas? No, while I was in, because I didn't come to Canada straight. We were, we lived in Dublin, um, Republic of Ireland. Okay. Yeah. For a long time. So, and so, um, I got married. Of course, my husband was already practicing there before I joined him. And so, I think it was when I was pregnant. I think that fear. Mm. And like, oh, you're going to be a mom. And people are going to live here. Or come visiting or something. You know, and I just found myself, I was... um, uh, in fear, but I think before then, you know, I was, you know, in and out of like 
I don't know how to put it, but my, my, my intimacy, you know, with my husband was, I was just like, I was always freaking out. I was always, yep. you know, withdrawn. I was always, you know, but because I'm also a very prayerful person, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very committed in, you know, in church and, and in prayers. I would always, you know, try to cover it up and just be strong and just trust God. And I was just pushing hard. But a day came when I just could not. And um, my baby was born. And and so I was like always carried, like people were teasing me all the time. That is your handbag, you know, like, and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, let it be, <laughs> you know. So I was everywhere with my baby. And so... Oh, you were very protective. I was, I was overprotective. Overprotective. Because was, you were caught, you were not only protecting your new baby, you were protecting the, you were giving your, your new baby the protection you didn't get yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I didn't want him to grow up being angry with me yeah. or blaming me like I did to my mom, uh, you know, with my mom. And so, but I remember this day, you know, like yesterday, I was just sitting down after I finished praying in the morning. And then, you know, it was, I was hearing that voice say to me, you can do something instead of living in fear all your life. You can do something with what happened to you. You didn't get the protection. You didn't get this, but, you know, you can, because I discovered that if I went out with women or with a church or social activity, whatever, mothers were careless. Like, why would you sit down, you visited someone and you don't even know where your seven-year-old daughter is or your seven-year-old daughter is playing with some 18, 19, 20-year-old video games in their bedrooms. It freaked me out. I was like, yeah. no way, this is not happening. And so, yeah. you, know, you know, like I was unconsciously all the time screaming and yelling at women like, no, don't do that. You know, all... Or like I go to a swimming pool and then I see a mom and they're changing their six or seven year old baby girl or son in, a, in an open pool area. I will start screaming and then I'll catch myself, you know. So it was putting that kind of pressure on me. And I said, you know, it was a seemed like I just kept on hearing that voice, do something, you can do something. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do something like this is my secret, Nobody's supposed yeah. to know about it. Like, please. And so, but I was really convinced at a point because I took out time, honestly, to pray about that. And I was so convinced that this is God talking. And that was how I got into advocacy. Gradually, I was talking to a group of women in church. I was talking to a group of women who go out for dinner. I was talking with them. And that was how the vision was birthed. I was invited to Accra, Ghana for the first, you know, the first, my first um, uh, international uh, uh, speaking engagement then. And I, was, I went as a keynote speaker, you know, and it was a conference that pulled over 600 guests, you know, people uh, from 48 countries or something. And wow. yeah, it, it was amazing. And so, yeah. Did you share so, your story? Can I ask you, did you share your story at that point? Or were you oh, yes, still, okay, I, I was did. just wondering, because you could have still just been an advocate fighting for other people, but I'm wondering at what point did you share your story and how did that feel or change your life? I shared my story actually from Dublin because um, 
what I found out with me was that because when I was now getting out of my way to caution women or talk to them or just talking, I just like, you find out that some of them will look at me like they looked at me like worried and they're like, like, where is she coming from? What is the problem? And I'm like, so at that point, you know, I remember having a dinner, you know, dinner party in a friend's house, end of year. And there were like 12 women there. And I can't remember what she did about her daughter. She was seven at the, at the time. And I was like, I started screaming. I'm like, no, no, Pam, no. And then and she was like, what's going on? And so I broke down and I shared my story. That was the first, the first place I shared my story. And so, um, so when I finished, I remember one of the girls there. She, today she's doing so well in England. She looked at me. I didn't know at that point she had had it from an abusive marriage. Mm. On three occasions, she had gone into coma. She was actually going to you know, take her own life at that time. I did wow. not know. So she said to me openly to everybody, she said, she, listen, let her. So she began to share her story. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and said, oh, dear Lord, help me here. That girl looked at me in the eye with tears in her eyes. She held me. She said, you are the sweetest person I know. You always carry the burden of other people. You are ever smiling, always ready to pray with somebody who doesn't even need, like you are always giving of yourself. I never knew, nobody would have believed that you went through half of what you just shared because you are always full of life. And she looked at me and said, do you women here know that I was planning to take my own life? I said to myself, I've had enough of this marriage. I'm done. She said it was on her to-do list that year, the new year. But she said to me, if you can have it together as you are like this, Onini, always this, and then this is what you are doing, and you're able to talk about it. She said, you went through it as a child and you're still alive and you're doing this. She said, I carried my two legs and got into this marriage at the age of 32 or something. She said, why would I take my life? I looked at her. I said, you don't need to take your life, sweetheart. I said, even me that I'm talking to you, I said, years back, I wanted to, but now I have a reason to leave. I said, I don't take my voice to the ends of the earth. I don't need to take my life anymore. And that was how she... Turn so powerful. It is Every so woman powerful. started opening up Joanna. Yes. Everybody started sharing deals. Like we brought out all the skeletons from our cupboards. Yeah. Sharing, sharing our stories, especially those that we hold as secrets because we are in fear, we're in shame, we're in embarrassment. We just don't want to face them. Mm-hmm. And and it would have destroyed her life by her taking it and Absolutely. and yours. But when we can come together and have advocacy like you are doing for children, mm-hmm. and and hold safe sacred space for people to heal, mm-hmm. is what will change this world. Yeah, absolutely. It is phenomenal. And I am. Your story is incredible. And after that, after. Um, leaving Dublin, you've come to Canada and you've, you're continuing oh, I continue. your, your battle of, of, I guess, your, your journey of healing yourself. 
mm-hmm. and and uh, being an advocate and um, share just a little bit about that. Like in what way? I know you're a keynote speaker. You've written your story. Do you have any programs or or ways of if somebody is listening and saying, I've never told anyone, but I was sexually abused. Like where where does somebody begin to heal? Oh, 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 let me say this, okay, because even in Dublin then, like, I was traveling, you know, from Ireland to everywhere, you know, all over the world, and I was getting invited to speak and to train as well, because I have a human resources background, so I do training and development. Human resources, did you say? Yes, I human do. Resources. Okay. Human resources, okay. I have a master's degree from, from UK and on, on HR. So I shifted my training to training, or rather I incorporated training child caregivers. Okay. What to look out for, how to actually do that. And, you know, I was getting invited, you know, churches, train church leaders and groups, organizations, religious organizations and all of that. So, but while I was doing that, I was going for therapy okay. because, because what I found out was I go do this then, you know, unlike now, now I am much, much stronger. In fact, I can speak about it from now till the kingdom come, nothing like I am good, but then I could not handle it. I will go right. out and speak. I'll come back more broken. Because by the time I'm done speaking, I'm talking to 20 people who have been there. Or as I'm speaking to a group of 10 people, for example, I can tell you if one or two or three people have been there. Even as I'm speaking to an audience, I can tell you that. Because we don't hide our body languages when we have been through trauma. Trauma especially. So I was still going for my therapy. But then after a while, I... When we relocated to Texas, Dallas to be precise, I said, I'm done. So it was a hiding place for me. But I couldn't hide because I was discovered by a few churches and groups and I was still doing my thing. And so I got to Canada. Our first place we lived in Canada was Halifax. And um, I couldn't hide. I was doing my thing up to the place, you know, to the point where I was doing um, regular TV and radio shows and just Mm -hmm. talking. And then I organized the first of its kind, Walk in My Shoes, Halifax, Nova Scotia has ever had, actually. It was was called Walk in My Shoes? Halifax, yes. Walk in My Shoes, Halifax. Halifax. Okay. And it was about 120 at you know, in attendance with all the media houses in Nova Scotia covering it. So, so I continued and all of that. But, you know, what happened was, like I said, I was still trying to like, okay, can I manage myself, my, you know, my own emotions and my spirituality and everything with all this? Because it was, it, 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 I was constant, constantly being, you know, bombarded with people who are going through this. They, they want to talk and all of that. But then, so... At a point, I put everything on hold. Even when we relocated to Calgary for two years, I didn't talk. I didn't go anywhere. I was not on social media. I didn't want to be discovered. I just wanted a quiet, peaceful life. And so I just, I got a job. I was just, just to take my, you know, just to take my attention away. But um, I think one thing about passion, especially this kind of um, crazy passion that I have is um, no matter how much you want to hide it or hide yourself, it doesn't go away because every second I hear about a child who is molested, 
I feel like, oh my God, no, it shouldn't be. So basically, uh, you know, I just want to create awareness and keep creating awareness and keep creating awareness and keep encouraging and keep talking to parents and keep teaching childcare people, you know, providers. Yes. What I'm hearing you say is that really it's, when we talk about it being a journey, you, you, you needed time to heal yourself. And what I hear you saying now is that you are at a point, you still, you've got the support you needed. And oh, yeah. now you are helping others from a place of power, from a place that, of that, overflow. That is it. I am at the place where I can tell you I am healed. Yes, because, and now you can help support others without it draining yourself. At all, at yeah. all. That is incredible. And I can't believe that we didn't even take a break. We have (laughs) gone through our whole time here because it is so enthralling and mesmerizing speaking to you. You are so powerful and kind and strong and vulnerable all at the same time. And I want to make sure that people know how to reach you. But before we share all that, um, I'm wondering if we could sum up three pearls of wisdoms or or actions that people could take, whether it be that they've been abused or they have a passion to support others? Okay. If you've been abused or if you've gone through this kind of trauma, um, the first thing I'll tell you, you know, which helped me, and honestly, that's my number one key, is forgiveness. Okay. Forgiveness. And when I talk about forgiveness here, forgiveness is a choice. And I'm talking about forgiving yourself. That's number one. Yeah. And forgiving others, doesn't matter who. And forgiving them doesn't mean that you have accepted what they did to you or that you're saying what they did to you is wrong. But all forgiveness is a lot. It takes, like, it's draining. It dries you up. Yeah. So forgive yourself forgive them. You know, you can actually fight people, fight your molesters, even from a point of peace, you know, from a, from a peaceful environment. You are at peace with yourself. Yeah. They often say forgiveness is the gift you give yourself. It is a gift. You, you remember that I spoke about it. I do. I do. So it is a gift you give yourself. So So that's, that is point one. Point two. Point two is, I think it was Edmund Bock that said um, evil will prevail when the few good men fold their arms and do nothing. So if you are aware in any way or you suspect or you are aware, because sometimes, oftentimes, young people or people who have been abused, they talk to us, but we wish it away or we wave it aside, it doesn't go away. So if you become aware in any way, please help that person. It might even be an adult who is confiding in you. Get them help. Yes. Don't keep quiet and don't don't just go telling them, listen, it's going to go away. It doesn't go away just the way you said it. It takes a lot of work. And I can tell you that you need to work. Like, it takes a lot. Okay. It takes a yeah. Lot. Okay. Absolutely. So and don't space for them quiet. to help. When you become aware of evil around you, don't keep quiet. 
do something. And number three? What is number three now? Number three is if you have been abused, let me talk to survivors like me. If you have been abused, I want to tell you something that I think is a quote from T.D. Jakes. Uh, summarily, he talks about facing the giants in your life. You know, he said, whatever it is, I don't care what that giant that giant might be that you're afraid to love again. You're afraid mm. to trust again. I am not telling you that I have not been there. I have been there. Trust, for example, I was, even last night I was telling my son, I said it's very expensive. In my, in my own shop, in my store, store room is expensive. Not everybody can afford it for me. Yeah. So, but open up your mind and please don't shut down on love. Either loving again or being loved. Love is mm-hmm. a good thing. Is yeah. a good thing. Those are beautiful. Number one, get help and know that there is help out there. Tell someone. Number two, if you suspect someone has been abused, be there for them. Help them get help. Mm-hmm. And three, really for everyone, is don't shut down from love. Don't let somebody else shut your love down. You have a beautiful light inside and open yourself up again. That is incredible. Now, I just want to remind people that you are part, you've co-authored a book called Tear the Veil, like tearing mm-hmm. off the veil. Mm-hmm. You're um, working on your second book right now. And, and yeah. Tear the Veil, you can they can find on Amazon, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you personally, where, how do they do that? Do you have an email or a website that you would direct them to? Oh, my phone number I give, I, I, I give, um, that's fine. They can, they can reach me. Okay. Um, go ahead and share that. Yeah. You can, oh, can you say the number? Oh, 403-923-7285. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. You were very generous with opening your heart and your mind and your education and and being passionate because there you are doing such tremendous work around the world. Mm-hmm. And and thank you for being the strength that you are. Oh, thank you so much, John. Thank you. I, thank I really I really appreciate you being on today's show. And we will help put the word out there and and I think together as a as society we can overcome this evil in our world. We can. Absolutely we can. We can. Right. And we Bye-bye. will Yes, and we will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Brilliant Light Wellness Podcast, where light is shed on issues that impact your health, love, and happiness. Join us weekly for new episodes.